You know, I'm gonna give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> start laughing! And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you the top 10 comedy specials of 2023, end of the year edition. It's something we did last year. I kind of like the idea of doing this every year because, uh, you know, obviously we're a history podcast. We talk about the old times, but uh, every once in a while, I like to update you guys on what's going on modern times, the current day, turn you on to standups. Maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you haven't checked out yet. Maybe you heard a lot about them, but uh, you know, need the, the old geary stamp of approval that you people yearn for so much. <laughs> and uh, I also think next week we're going to do one that we didn't do last year. Comics to watch in 2024, which will basically just be uh lesser known people that maybe you haven't heard of that. You should check out their stuff. Um, I mentioned that a couple weeks ago and people seem to like the idea. So how about this? Comment below. Let me know. Let me know if you like the, these uh, uh, top 10 lists at the end of each year for comedy specials. And uh, let me know if you like the idea of comics to watch and also make suggestions if uh, you think we missed anyone. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, this doesn't need uh, much setup. You guys know the deal. I watched a bunch of comedy specials this year. Uh, if you include the half hours and stuff that people put out, it's too many to count, quite frankly, because back in the day, even when we were young, like when Comedy Central was putting out a bunch of stuff, I don't know if you could have done a real top 10 list just from the specials that had come out that year, because, you know, back then, comedy specials were actually special. People weren't churning them out every single year. And then Louis C.K. kind of changed that. Like, he was good at pumping them out every year or 18 months, even though I do think uh, some of the content suffered at a certain point. Um, but then a lot of people tried to do that. And I think that did hurt stand up in a way, but now what comedy specials have become are basically advertisements. So you go check these people out on the road. Um, so it, it's just a different way to look at it. Uh, you know, like when Eddie Murphy put out something on HBO or in movie theaters, it was an actual event. And now it's like, Oh, Hey, this guy that I like is putting something on YouTube, you know, let's go support him. Uh, so it's definitely a different feel. There are a lot more comedy specials out now, and that's why you're able to do a list of the best of the year. Um, but there are some that I genuinely think are worth checking out. And uh, like I said, good advertisements. If these people come to your city, uh, you should definitely uh, go see them and support them, particularly the guys at the top in my book. Uh, but first, let me tell you to go to blindmike.net if you wouldn't mind. If you like this show, if you want bonus episodes, if you want early access to these episodes, um, then make sure you go to blindmike.net. And those of you that do subscribe on uh, Patreon or our YouTube members, you'll notice uh, that this episode came out before the end of the year. It's just the way we had to record them because I'll be away the last couple of weeks of the year. Um, and therefore, we have to talk about a couple of specials that haven't come out yet that will just beat the buzzer at the end of 2023 that you guys should check out. So we have some of those to talk about as well. Uh, which we'll get to, but you get early access to this stuff. So make sure you go to blindmike.net, subscribe on Patreon or become a YouTube member uh, if you want 
bonus content and early access, or just support the show for free. That has value as well. If you just like our videos, comment, subscribe to the channel, uh, download us wherever you get podcasts and leave a five-star review. All that helps the show grow as well. Uh, you know, tell a friend, spread the word. We appreciate it. And the best place to do that is blendmike.net. That's where all our links are. So check that out. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, like I said, there's a lot of specials. Uh, this is the same as last year. There are a lot of specials that come out that I like. And then there are a few at the top that I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a comedy special. You know, this is something that the guy can really uh, define their career on, hang their hat on, you know, that people will point to uh, in, in years that are fans of this person and be like, that was a, a great special. There's really only a couple of those a year in my book. Um, but there were plenty of specials that I enjoyed that I want to tell you guys about. So we have our top 10 that we'll get to, but first I want to mention a few honorable mentions and, uh, we actually have a couple of broads this year. We didn't get any more diverse as far as race, but we do have ladies involved this year. So that's a nice upgrade from last year. It is. We're diversifying our portfolio. A little bit. Yeah. Ne- next year we might get a black fella on here. Who knows? <laughs> Ooh, Keith Robinson does have a special coming out <laughs> next year. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll talk about that too. Is like we're gonna play a little of uh, Gary Goldman's uh, trailer, and Dave Chappelle has a special coming out on December thirty first. That was just announced last week after I already had this episode planned, <laughs> and I was like, God damn it! You couldn't <laughs> have put it on the first, so I can include it next year. Dave, I've got a schedule here. I think we can round to next year for sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, well, so let's uh, let's start with Kelsey Cook. This was one that was. It probably in my top 10 right until the last couple of weeks of this year. Um, I thought it was great. Now, to be fair, I am partial to Kelsey cook. I saw her open for Jim Norton eight years ago at this point, probably like 2015. Um, and uh, she was nice. Enough. I, I uh, followed her on Twitter and she was nice enough to do my podcast. So I've kind of followed her career since then. And uh, so I am biased, but I think she's come a long way. Believe me, if this broad sucked. I would tell you. Uh, but I thought she put out a great special. Let's hear a clip and I'll tell you a little about it. Since no one suspects that I'm a pro foosball player, I love to hustle people, right? And so I usually play against other comedians on my web series, but we did this special episode where I went undercover in Vegas and I hustled drunk dudes on the Vegas Strip. <laughs> so I wore this low-cut top. I talked in the worst voice. And my camera crew and I would go up to groups of guys and I'd go, Hi! Um, my name's Kelsey, and I have this web series where I do things that I've never done before for the first time. <laughs> um, it's called Pop My Cherry. <laughs> I've never played foosball before, and we just found this table, and I was just wondering if you guys want to play me. <laughs> And every group of guys is like, hell yeah, bitch, let's go. <laughs> yeah, play right now. So she actually comes, her parents are like Olympic level foosball players, and she is a genuine professional. So that actually is a very funny bit that she does, uh, like in her web series. But uh, that's kind of, that's one of the things that I like about Kelsey is she's a little more unique than a lot of female comedians. Um, she definitely does talk about her sexuality that a lot of, uh, a lot of the ladies fall into that habit, but she goes outside of that realm. And she also, um, talks about like dating and sexuality from a place that a lot of the girls like Amy Schumer and Nikki Glaser don't do where hers is more from self-deprecation. Like, 
people that are fans of mainly guy comics can probably late relate there more because I think there's a lack of self-deprecation in the style that Kelsey does it. Like her voice sounds like a tr- more traditional comedian uh, than what I think you hear with a lot of women of her generation, if that makes sense at all. So I really liked it, by the way, it's called uh, the hustler on YouTube. Um, go check it out. It's by 800 pound gorilla. We'll probably mention them a few times today. Uh, they've been putting out, ton of good stuff on their YouTube channel. So the hustler on YouTube, go check out Kelsey cook. Um, I definitely recommend it. Like I said, that was my top 10 pretty much all year until a couple of the specials were about to mention crept their way in there. Um, a couple others on the list of uh, honorable mentions that I would throw out there. Like Mark Norman had a special come out this year called soup to nuts on Netflix. I enjoyed it, but didn't make my top 10. It's I don't think it's as good as a lot of his other stuff. Martin Norman's a weird case where I think he's fallen into this trap of a lot of the material that he does on podcasts have, has, has crept its way into his act. Like he does a lot of puns on stage and tells a lot of the same stories that he's told on a bunch of podcasts. So you kind of see the joke coming. Um, so that's one thing that did disappoint me about soup to nuts, but still better than a lot of the shit that Netflix put out. So soup to nuts is worth watching. Uh, another one that I think is worth watching is what we're about to play a clip from. And that's the legend Todd Barry. We talked about Todd Barry a couple weeks ago. Uh, when we talked about the Patrice O'Neill roast and, uh, he put out, out a special this year also on YouTube on the all things comedy channel called domestic short hair. And, uh, I think overall it pretty much holds up with Todd's stuff. Uh, for the most part, didn't make my top 10 this year, but it's definitely a very solid Todd Berry hour. Stayed at a hotel in Los Angeles. And when I got back, I realized I left my toiletry back at the hotel in Los Angeles. And it was a really nice one sent to me by the Cartoon Network, had cartoons all over it. <laughs> I wanted it back. I called up the hotel. I got I was in room 318. I left my toiletry back. It's got cartoons all over it. <laughs> Guy's like, oh, yeah, we found that. <laughs> I was like, great, can I get it back? He's like, can you describe the cartoons? <laughs> Did you think I was calling you on the off chance? <laughs> that someone left behind the toiletry bag with cartoons on it? Like I'm in the market for one, don't know where to find one, so I'm calling hotels all day long, hoping for a miracle. Maybe I got an anonymous tip. Some guy comes up to me in an alley, Todd, don't ask who I am, but if you're in the market for half a bottle of dandruff shampoo and five dusty Viagras, call this hotel, tell me in room 318. You left your toiletry bag, it's got cartoons all over it. What kind of cartoons? They'll never ask you that. <laughs> Why would they ask you that? Be crazy to ask you that. I've always loved Todd's just dry, deadpan delivery. Uh, I think he's put out other specials that are better. Um, even his crowd work special for, uh, that was, it was on Netflix. I don't know where it went, but it was on Netflix, uh, eight or nine years ago, long before people were putting out all this crowd work. Todd Barry, uh, was one of the first guys to put stuff like that content like that out there. Um, I thought that was very good. Domestic short hair was definitely solid. I don't think it's Todd's best stuff. It wasn't in my top 10 of the year, but, uh, just on the cusp of it, just underneath that top 10, I liked 
Todd Berry's domestic short hair a lot. So go check that out on the All Things Comedy YouTube channel. Um, also, uh, final honorable mention for me would be Jared Freed on Netflix, 37 and single, it's called. Um, I've gotten this question a few times where people will message me and be like, Mike, my girlfriend loves Matt Rife. I don't want to go to a Matt Rife show. What's a comic I can introduce her that can bridge the gap? Like, I don't want to just start with Jim Norton, you know, mm-hmm. how can I, how can I bridge the gap between Matt Reif and Dave Attell or big J Okerson or someone like that? You know, I don't want to take that leap yet. And I feel like Jared Freed is a good, he's kind of just a funny Matt Reif. Like he's what people like about Matt Reif. He relates a lot more to women as a lot of his audience is women. He talks a lot about dating and overeating and stuff like that. And to me, 37 and single, I haven't seen, or I haven't loved a lot of Jared's other stuff that I've seen. 37 single, I thought was a very good special. Um, and kind of old school in the way, like he's not doing anything controversial. He's kind of hitting what would be standard Stand up topics, maybe from the 90s or early 2000s, but he's putting a 2023 spin on them. And it was like it was fresh, but also nostalgic in a weird way. So I thought 37 and single also deserved an honorable mention. Get your, you know, if your girlfriend's trying to get into stand up, sure, Jared Freed. Um, you know, the list I have, Craig. Is there anything I didn't put on it that you think should be there? No, I haven't watched that many. And the ones I, I did enjoy the most are actually on your top 10. Perfect. Yeah. See, guys, this is also Craig approved, and I think that's very important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone cares. Uh, so this year, as we get into our top 10 here, I feel like Letterman now. Number 10, and Craig can have a wacky joke prepared for each one. Um, there is one thing we didn't play yet before the top 10. Oh, shame on me. Yes. Uh, we do have to play this. So there's a couple of specials I wanted to talk about that will be out. So this episode, I think, will be out... Depending upon when we put these out, it might be after the 21st, but we're recording it on the 13th. So I had to uh, nix a couple specials. I was like, there's no way they're going to put great specials out around Christmas. And then Gary Goldman's drops on HBO on December 21st. And Dave Chappelle has come, one coming out on New Year's Eve. So they fucked me. I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. I thought this would be an easy end of the year thing. We could mail it in. But uh, HBO screwed me. Um, I will say all the specials that I have on my list are from, uh, Netflix and YouTube. Now HBO is in a weird place where they will put out a couple good specials here and there. They've worked with Gary. This is the second time they're working with Gary Goldman in the last few years. Dan Soder put his special out on there, Mark Marin, and they do have some young guys like Ian Lara put a special out on there. Um, so they're in a weird place where they're not like fully in on comedy, but they're dipping their toe in. And, uh, this is the trailer for, uh, Gary Goldman's special that's coming out on December 21st. So I wanted to make sure to at least promote it and talk about it if it uh, wasn't going to be on the list. Cause I have a feeling, uh, by the time I watch it and I will write a review, by the way, um, all the specials that we're talking about today, I wrote reviews for at one point during the year on uh, Patreon. So go subscribe to our Patreon if you want that kind of content. And I will write one for Gary Goldman. So if you're wondering after we play this trailer, did Mike like it? I need to know. Then go to Patreon, please. I grew up in an oft ignored sector of Jewish people called poor. A 
brain. Heart surgeon will open up your chest, replace a valve, save and extend your life. $45 copay. A dentist fills miniature potholes, cash only today. We'll work on a payment plan like any other strip mall retailer, but you're gonna pay. I said to my dad, I really want to play hockey. He said, son, go grab the sports almanac. There were zero Jewish players in the Hockey Hall of Fame. My dad said, just for a point of comparison, more Jews have been the Messiah. If you put in any effort at all, you can wear Banana Republic for the price of Old Navy. Whenever I get the promo code, I always think to myself, I could have guessed that. But it's always just clever enough. Okay, summer savings, hmm? they spelled summer with a dollar sign. <laughs> $30 for the shorts, how much for the whimsy? <laughs> Gary Goldman's one of my favorites of all time. And I, I reference him, you know, if you guys listen to this podcast, you hear me reference all the time when I talk about unique cadence and delivery and vocabulary and language. I think he is maybe the all time best at that. And I, you can hear a little bit of that in that clip, like just his delivery of uh, for the whimsy. <laughs> It's so it's his way of speaking to me is so unique um, and you'll see people try and kind of duplicate it and fall short. So like I said, I'll write a review on Patreon if you want to check that out, but too late, Gary, you missed a cut to be in our top 10. Sorry, pal. <laughs> Point next. Uh, better luck next year. Yeah. And same to you, Chappelle. I will say I saw Chappelle's hour at the garden. I don't know how much, is um is in this special. I assume most of it because he did come out to the what I assume is going to be the intro. He has Morgan Freeman talking in the Netflix. Um, so I assume I saw a lot of it. From what I saw, it's good and not nearly as political as a lot of his other stuff. And even kind of makes fun of himself uh, for some of the stuff over the last few years. So hopefully, uh, some some positive signs from old Davy, or as he calls himself, the goat which isn't nauseating at all. I hate that so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> I love the man, but you take the C off your chest and stop calling yourself the goat. Imagine if like uh, Michael Jordan was going around just saying that. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling Michael Jordan does too. If you watch any of the, if you watch uh, the last dance or anything. That's but he, I feel like he, he was just like, I'm going to beat this guy. He wasn't like, I'm the best of all time. Guys, how good am I? Think about that for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just for a brief moment, please. All right. Now, Let's get into the top 10, shall we? Craig, who do we have at number 10? Beth Stelling. That's exciting. Hey, ladies, you made it in the top 10 this year. Isn't that fun? Good for you gals. You know, we could have put her at nine to make it look like she really earned it and not just a sympathy <laughs> spot. <laughs> yes, I'm doing it for diversity's sake. So the uh, so so dead spin doesn't come after me <laughs> if they have any funding left. Yeah, the special is called um, If You Didn't Want Me Then. Yes, if you didn't want me then, which is a reference to a joke in the special, it's on Netflix. Um, I followed Beth Stelling for quite some time, ever since she had a half hour come out on Netflix in the stand-ups series. I thought that was very good. Um, and then I've seen her in other, like she was in Crashing. I've seen some other things that she's done over the years. Uh, but I thought this hour was very good. And much like Kelsey Cook, it's not the same. Like, so Eliza Schlesinger said something uh, about, 
six years ago or so about how she said something to the effect of like, I'm the only woman that has a world war two joke in her act. And that's ridiculous because if you watch Eliza Schlesinger's act, she's pretty much what they would call a basic bitch. And that's the kid's phrase, not mine. But Eliza Schlesinger is not like revolutionizing comedy or anything, you know? Yeah. So people were like, this is fucking ridiculous. And they made fun of her for it. But I do think there's truth in what she said in the sense that a lot of female comedians pigeonhole themselves into, you know, talking about their sexuality or doing whatever would get them the most followers on Instagram. They, and a lot of that's because, you know, not necessarily their fault. They don't have the same influences that men do. You know, there's a 10 million different niche comedian of, you know, uh, Lucy K or Mike Birbiglia or Bo Burnham and Zach Galifianakis or uh, Dimitri Martin. You know, there's 10 million different weird male comedians that guys could fall into that category. I don't think that's true of men. And when you look at stand up as an art form, like comedy hasn't been around that long, less than a hundred years, really stand up that is. And uh, so females in comedy have been around even less. <laughs> so I think you're getting to a point where you're starting to see women develop these kind of niches. And of course there's examples that exclude the rule that I'm talking about, like Maria Bamford. Um, but I think Beth Stelling and Kelsey cook are both examples of girls that have found their own voice can be different than the traditional comics. Um, but can also delve into some, uh, you know, traditional subjects and still be funny. Uh, so let's hear a little Beth Stelling. You did raise this right here in Dayton, Ohio. I knew you guys would be happy for me. <laughs> now that everybody shows us the respect we deserve. You know, we're the birthplace of aviation. Yeah. North Carolina has been coming for us for years. Their license plates say first in flight. <laughs> it's like, okay. It was built in Dayton, we just used you for your win. Shitty hog. I don't know if I thought this because these two used to date, but when I was watching the special, like there's a little bit of Sam Rill in her delivery. And I might just be thinking that because I've associated them in my mind. But like, if you watch her special, I did get a little Sam real vibe from her. Uh, she also talks a lot about her dad, which is hilarious. She has stories about what a shitty dad she had growing up. Um, and so she gets into a lot of uh, different topics that I thought were funny in the special. And I think it's worth checking out. And that's probably another one. Like I said, you know, g gather the girlfriend around if you're trying to get her in, into stand up. I liked, um, uh, if you didn't want me then a lot on Netflix. So check that out. Yeah, see, I like Greg. women too. <laughs> see, see guys, I can be open-minded. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Matt McCusker. Number nine. Oh, sorry. Matt McCusker, the speed of light. <laughs> this is one that Craig and I saw live together. We saw Matt McCusker yeah. perform this hour. Um, and he crushed and we loved I'm, it. Annihilated. So we were really excited for the special to come out. Um, we didn't see the same hour that was filmed. We just saw the uh, same material. Um, I will say my one criticism of this special is not Matt's fault, but I thought the way that it was edited, the crowd reaction feels very low. I and was, maybe I'm, 
What's that? I was going to say the exact same thing. Well, maybe we're just thinking that because we saw him at Laugh Boston and he was killing. He should have had that one recorded. It was unbelievable. So, so in our mind, maybe it's like, hey, these people—they're not getting it. They, you want to shake them awake, but there is something about the crowd reaction. It doesn't—it doesn't feel like the crowd is reacting enough to a lot of Matt's what I think are killer lines. Um, so let's hear one and let's talk about it. I didn't know. I, I opened the gate. My one dog ran in there like, who the fuck's been talking shit and just nailed another dog. <laughs> it was a big deal. The owner picked her dog up like, I'm pretty sure you guys should leave now. And it's like, dude, my dog won. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. People love telling you they rescued dogs, man. I see bumper stickers about it. I saw a bumper sticker recently. I was behind a car in traffic, and the bumper sticker said, I didn't rescue my rescue dog. My rescue dog rescued me. It's like, dude, call your parents, man. Just call. They'd love to hear from you. Just call them up. It's like, we were in traffic. I'm like, dude, this sucks enough. Now I'm thinking about your life. My rescue dog rescued me. That's like the weirdest way to tell everyone behind you you've seriously considered killing yourself before. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely one of my favorite lines from that hour. And he has so many of those. And uh, I remember when the special came out, I, I reviewed it and I wrote something to the effect of, like, and this is evident in, if you go back and listen to uh, when Louis C.K. was on Matt and Shane's secret podcast and did mm-hmm. the presidents. Yep. And uh, I also saw them live at Skankfest where they talked about the Crusades <laughs> for an entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and Shane could easily, both of them, individually or together, could easily do a history podcast or something like Colin Quinn did about the Constitution or, uh, you know, New York Story or any of the one-man shows that Colin Quinn mm-hmm. has done. I think both Matt and Shane are capable of that sort of thing. Um, Matt has a bit about Ben Franklin in here, like talking about uh, time traveling (laughs) and that sort of stuff. If Matt injected more of that into his special or did a one man show on subjects throughout history, I think he could be great at that because when I think of like McCusker's style, it's what they wanted. Um, You remember the show drunk history on comedy central? Yep. I think of Matt kind of as what they wanted that show to be. Whereas Matt sounds like a stoner. (laughs) Like he just has the delivery of like this kid from Philly who's high all the time. And he's, but he's, he's saying these things that are like, you know, if you get past the delivery of them, he's actually very intelligent. Like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. On their, on their Patreon, they used to do um, history podcasts more often. I haven't seen one in a while and they're always very interesting. It's really interesting to listen to him talk like he knows his shit. And it's what makes it very funny is a he's a funny guy, but also just his delivery of these what would otherwise be like serious or boring subjects uh, really enhances it. So I loved McCusker's special and it's oh, it's I think it's down at number nine only because of the crowd. I blamed them. I was like, is it not as funny as I thought it was? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it was at uh, towards the, the bottom of our top 10 at number nine. Um, so, oh, that, by the way, it's called the, I should keep saying the names of these, the speed of light on YouTube. I mean, it's on YouTube, so it's easy to find Matt McCusker's channel, uh, but it's the speed of light on YouTube. So go check that out. Did uh, very well, but, um, keep it, you know, bumping in the algorithm. All right. Moving on to number eight, uh, Kyle Kinane shocks and struts. 
I was I was close to moving this one higher. It was just tough for me to put it above some of the ones we're about to talk about. But I thought this was a great hour by Kyle Kinane. And sometimes in my ranking system, guys are almost hurt by just being consistent. Same, I, I had the same thought about Todd Barry, where I'm like, oh, this is a very good special. But like I've kind of seen it before from Todd Barry. That's how I felt about Kyle Kinane, where it's like, hey, this is just as good as all of his other specials. So you almost appreciate it less, which is unfortunate. But uh, Shocks and Struts is another one that was put out by 800 Pound Gorilla on YouTube. Um, and it was tremendous. So let's hear a little bit of it. Glad the Holocaust Museum is there. It's there for education. And that's how the majority of people that go to the Holocaust Museum, they are field trips, which I find a tad ironic. That just some, somebody's like, oh, we got this Holocaust Museum. How are we going to get people in there? We, oh, we could transport them in against their will. It's like, whoa. Has our marketing guy even been inside yet? Because that's like, that's like a main thing that happened. You can't just look at the pictures. You got to read the captions. Canadian <laughs> <laughs> to me is a, like a slightly more palatable Doug Stanhope, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's not as like uh, dark. Not, not as rough around the edges. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, like, like, you know, yeah, very, very Doug Stanhope vibe from Kyle Kinane. So if you like that kind of humor, uh, I, I highly recommend Shocks and Struts. And like I said, um, maybe I am because some of the guys we're about to talk about, it's like their first special or their best in a while or it's different than what they've usually done. Um, but Kinane is just pretty solid. Like he always, you always get what you got from in shocks and struts. So that might've hurt his ranking in my system. He's one of those guys uh, like you'll never waste money going to see him. Yeah. And uh, you know what? He's almost hurt by, it's the same with uh, some of Louis CK's specials and Bill Burr's this way too, with his early stuff where it almost all blends together. Like it's so consistently good that you're just like, Oh yeah, was that shocks and struts or was that the other one? I can't even, you can't even really remember cause it's all about the same level. Like he's just very consistent. Yeah. All right, let's move on to number seven. Uh, Stavros Halkius, fat rascal. Fat rascal came out on Netflix. So last year, uh, Stavros had a special come out that didn't make our top 10. And in fact, I didn't even really care for it. <laughs> As a Stavros fan, he blew up last year. He, he had a, mm -hmm. an amazing year. He blew up on TikTok and Instagram and built this following, uh, putting his crowd work out. That's where he amassed a lot of people. He already had this following from Cometown, like podcast fans. And then he kind of, you know, expanded beyond that with all of his social media stuff. And then he put out an hour on YouTube last year that really blew up millions of views. And that's kind of launched him to like a different level. What's interesting is I didn't love it as a, and I'm a fan of Stavros's. I've seen him live multiple times and I was like, I don't think this is his best material. Um, so it was interesting to me that he, he blew up the way that he did. Um, but in this Netflix special, I was like, okay, he's back. It's not that he's just turned into a guy that maybe isn't for me anymore. It's just, I didn't love that special. I really did like this one. I thought it was great. Now I will say Netflix has, I wanted to play a clip from all of these Netflix has certain uh, restrictions that we have to follow on YouTube. So we can only play certain clips. So I can only pull from like what he put out there on his social media. Uh, so this isn't my favorite clip, but it's him talking about Elon Musk. Yeah, I mean, he's embarrassing himself with Twitter, right? Running into the ground, just blowing it completely. He bought Twitter because he likes tweeting. That's 
how poor people spend money, you know? <laughs> you give me $40 billion, I'm not buying Pornhub. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I like jacking off. I don't know how to code or anything like that. I buy Pornhub, I'm like, yeah, put my comments to the top. Make sure, <laughs> make sure everybody sees my shit. Nice breasts, Lisa Ann. <laughs> Do you want to hang out sometime? <laughs> no? Delete her account. I own Pornhub. <laughs> so he, he starts with a little topical stuff like that, but that's not the crux of the special. It's not even really what he usually does. Um, I actually heard him on We Might Be Drunk talking about this and saying he was kind of just fucking around with it and wasn't sure if he should put social commentary at the top, but he just liked that it was formatted differently than his old special. Um, he also did something cool at the beginning. Like we talk a lot about how sketches at the beginning of a, a special, the dice are, they, they, they almost never work. Like they're not usually good. Every once in a while, someone stumbles upon a, a fun one. Um, what I liked about Stavs is he kind of just did a bit with a girl at the beginning. It's about 30 seconds. And then it gets into the special. And when I heard him talk about it, he was like, I wanted to see, because I hate sketches and specials. I think they're useless. But I also wanted to make this feel like a special. <laughs> so I think I found the perfect balance of that. And I agree with him. He did. Um, because there is something to making it feel like more than just like you're watching a compilation of the guy's clips, you know? Right. Like, I do think there's an art to putting a special together. Um, but he also, I wrote this in my review as well, that, uh, he talks about like, he's, you, you could on the surface, um, call him like a stereotypical fat guy. Like he does a lot of, um, uh, material on his appearance basically and being fat and eating and all that type of stuff. But again, like I said about Kelsey cook, he approaches that stereotype in a different way than you usually see it. Like he approaches it from a place of confidence and like a guy that gets pussy and stuff like that. Like it's very different than the usual, like, Oh, I'm a big fat oaf that you hear from a lot of comedians like that. Um, so I really enjoyed it. And you know, there's uh, uh like I said, I think it was a big upgrade from last year. So that was, uh, well, that was number eight. That was number, that was number seven. seven. Uh, Six? Well, I think we're moving on to number six, as a matter of fact. Oh, right. Craig, who do we have at number six? Uh, that is Big J Ogerson, Dog Belly. Really, more than anything, I just like introducing a list. That's really the only reason we're doing this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but this is one that I was in the room for the taping. This was uh, Dog Belly was filmed live at Skankfest uh, at the end of 2022. Um, and then it came out uh, earlier in 2023. Dog Belly is on Big J Okerson's YouTube. It's, uh, as we record this, just under 2 million views. So uh did very well for Big J. And uh, it was, I thought it was very good because like Big J is known for crowd work, which I think he perfectly peppered that in throughout the special. Like it's what he's known for. It's what a lot of people want from him. So he didn't starve them of it, but it also wasn't the focus of the special. And he had a lot of solid written material as well. Some topical stuff, even like joking about how he's not good at topical stuff to introduce topical stuff. I thought was a good approach. Uh, so let's hear a little dog belly. Yeah. He does. He, the crowd work wasn't the main point, but this is unavoidable crowd work. To start with oh yes yeah. so, so I was there I was there for this taping actually 
And a gentleman, a larger gentleman, if you've ever seen the crowd at Skankfest, I'm a larger man myself, but at Skankfest, I'm a, a svelte boy. You're an Adonis. Think, how, did, how did he get so fit, this guy? Uh, so a gentleman um, broke, this is a packed room, and a gentleman, I don't know how he didn't make any noise, but Big J looked over and a man was, his chair had collapsed. Did the chair break? Damn, you're a big dude too, right? What a nightmare. I'm actually projecting my worst nightmare onto you right now. <laughs> and then being the guy who was like, boy, I sure hope no one calls it out in front of a full room of people. But I fatly went through a chair. <laughs> Outside of a comedy club once, I sat in a chair, started to feel a break, just caught myself and stood back up. And I go, it's next guy's problem. There is no thickness, ironically, amongst fat people. I mean, you have to get a chair. That's insane. You're just going to sit on the floor in a pile of broken chair? It's not your fault, dude. It was a flimsy chair. What do you say to someone that happens to? Dude, we rented those. <laughs> What's great about that, and you don't realize until the the end of the interaction, and even like where I was positioned, uh, and I don't see well, so I couldn't see where this guy was. It's only like halfway through the interaction that you realize, oh, he's not standing up. He's sitting on the ground in a pile of wood or metal, whatever the fuck it is. He was in the rubble. <laughs> he's in the rubble of the chair. Yeah. So, so that was a, a gr- like crowd work like that is great where it's a genuine uh, moment and the comic does a great job with it. Like yeah. just the idea of saying like, I'm doing to you what my worst nightmare is like the comedian's <laughs> gonna point this out and say hey everyone look at the fat guy that broke the chair and fatly falling through a chair is a very funny way of saying it <laughs> <laughs> i think we have a little uh displaying some of his written material as well right yep i got yanked off a stage by my ankles in Royersford, pennsylvania because of a young white woman she kept going on and on and then she kept going into her phone pointing over turn i go miss who are you texting that's so important? She goes, uh, sorry, everyone. I was just texting my black boyfriend. I was like, why? Does he make you hit him up every half hour so he knows how long he has to get bitches out of the house? And she goes, sorry, I guess I'm just being hormonal because I'm pregnant with a black baby. And I was like, well, that sounds like your father's nightmare, miss. Not so much my concern. But her mom stood up, did a heel turn. And she goes, sorry, everybody. My daughter's drunk. She's lying and she's drunk. She's not pregnant at all. And she goes, that's right, everybody. I had an abortion. And then I was like, well, miss, for being so worked up about racism, you're the only person here who just confessed to killing a black person. So... Which is uh, all a true story, by the way. That was documented uh, on the news. I remember during COVID when that happened at Soul Joel's Outdoor Comedy Club when uh, Big J got yanked off stage by that girl's brother and uh, a melee ensued. And there was a whole thing where like Louis J. Gomez and Jay were supposed to go to court or something. Yeah, they were going to do this, like a, they bailed a, on it. They were going to do like a Zoom court hearing or something. Yeah, and I think they just bailed and didn't do it, but uh, it, it's a true story, and it was a, a very funny one. Um, he talks about a lot of topical stuff. He also talks about uh, female cops as his closer, which is very funny. Um, so check out Dog Belly. Big J, very dirty, although I don't think this was like his dirtiest no. ma- material. I think it is more 
Um, like I said, more, more topical and less sexual than a lot of his stuff. Um, so, you know, even if you, uh, haven't liked some of his old stuff, check this one out and see what you think about it. It's not that dirty for big J, but if you bring a lady friend who's not familiar with comedy, she's going to find it disgusting. And that's what I talk, That's what I call the Jared Freed metric. Yeah. Where it's like, dip yeah. your toe in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Actually work your way up the list, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because now we are in the top five. We're moving to number five, Craig. Who's number five? Nick Mullen, The Year of the Dragon. This I was excited for because Nick Mullen's a guy I have followed for eight some odd years. Uh, same as Stavros. I found out about him on the Come Town podcast. And he's a guy who, like, as a podcaster, I think is extremely talented and funny. And one of the more unique voices in stand-up. And I've seen bits of his here and there, like if I can recommend one, uh, particularly about movies, like he breaks down the film uh, Angels in the Outfield. I think that's somewhere on YouTube. Uh, And I think someone did the thing where like they compile the video that he's talking about as well. Um, So go find like he has bits here and there. Um, But there wasn't a a ton of stand up and like the basis of Come Town essentially well, like their brand was putting zero work into the product. Mm-hmm. And and because of that, like Nick's a guy who you know constantly talks about being depressed and wanting to kill himself and uh, being lazy and putting no work in and all that kind of stuff. So you didn't get a lot of stand up from him. And then uh, when they changed to the Adam Friedland show talk show format, and they made a YouTube and they built a studio and they seem to be putting a lot more effort in. And then earlier this year, I see Nick start posting clips of his stand up on Instagram. I'm like, oh, oh, he's putting more effort. He seems to be more part of the world. Like, he wants to promote himself, finally. Uh, And then that all culminated in the Year of the Dragon on the Adam Freeland Show YouTube channel, which, as we record this, it only came out a week ago, a little over a week ago. Um, And it's already well over a million views. So I don't know where it'll be by the time this comes out, but it's already doing quite well, which is nice to see on YouTube, by the way. Because uh, one of the specials we're going to talk about later got uh, censored on YouTube. And that when that happens, that crushes the algorithm and they don't put it out to you anymore. So I'm glad this got out to people and people were able to see it. And uh, if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. So here's a little bit of uh, Nick Mullen from The Year of the Dragon. You guys transphobic? That's a new way to be angry. <laughs> That's wild that they whipped everybody up into a fervor about that. People didn't even know what transgender was five years ago. They're like, something new, not on my watch. We're just fucking mad. <laughs> yeah, they're going crazy. They're boycotting everything, saying everything's turning people gay. The, tar- the Target one's the big one. I don't understand that boycott, because initially I thought it was over, like, Gay Pride Month, but Target's done Gay Pride forever. And then I looked into it more, and the conservatives are boycotting Target because of something called tuck-friendly bathing suits. <laughs> Did you see that, that they're mad at tuck-friendly bathing suits? And that kind of shocked me, because I'm like, what the fuck is a tuck-friendly bathing suit? <laughs> like, do I just have the smallest dick in the entire world? That <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine I would have a problem hiding my penis in a regular... <laughs> Women's bath. I've never looked at a woman's bathing suit and been like, "Yeah, no chance, dude. No, no. <laughs> yeah, not gonna happen." And then apparently they're for children. Also, I can understand why they're mad. If I was in Target and I heard a lady being like, "Excuse me, my son's dick is too big for the bathing suit," <laughs> I'm, like, I'm never coming back to this fucking store again. 
I'm going back to GameStop where I belong. <laughs> yeah, my son's penis is hanging out of the back. It's coming out. <laughs> it's snaked around to the top, my son's giant penis. <laughs> So, Nick, to me, I said he's a, a, a combination, like if his influences, if you're looking at like, uh, you know, take a piece of this person, a piece of that person. I think there's definitely pieces of Bill Hicks, Norm MacDonald, Louis C.K., Stan Hope, maybe a little Norton. So if you like any of those guys, I think Nick Mullen's kind of a culmination of all of them. Um, like, so here's what I thought about his special, essentially, is that if you're judging on a Nick Mullen basis, I think he's a lot more room to grow. I think some of the punchlines, like based on the material he's given you on the podcast of the years, I think he could have dug a little deeper and found more um, than what he got. But if you're just judging it against other comedians or especially people's first ever hour of standup, I thought this was really great. I think the way he, uh, the way he gets into social commentary is so unique and you can't constrain him to any political party or ideology or anything. Um, I think he's a very rare voice. I think like, you know, similar to how I've talked about Tim Dillon in the past. I think Nick Mullen has that kind of voice that is very unique and I think is important for every generation to have. So I hope he doesn't kill himself and I hope he keeps putting out material uh, because I think it's only going to get better over the next, you know, 10, 20 years, however long he keeps doing it. Um So now we get into a territory where I think these are real, honest-to-goodness specials like we would get uh, back in the day. And that has us moving on to number four. Uh, Louis C.K. at the Dolby. So Louis C.K. put out, he beat Chris Rock to the punch putting out a live special. You don't hear a lot about that. We heard a lot about Chris Rock's special on Netflix, which I don't know if you know this, is not on this list. Oof, EU. Um, But... Louis C.K. beat his pal Chris Rock by putting out a live special on his website and then did uh, the same material live at the Dolby. And he put that out um, on his website about a month later after he did uh, the live special at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Essentially the same material. I think he said there's about 10 minutes of difference. Um, But live at the Dolby again to me is classic Louis. I like Louis's new method. Like I said, he was putting out a special every year. And then I think it got to the point where it was just like he was churning them out to say he was doing it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually just heard a great story on Tuesdays with Stories with Mark Norman and Joe List where uh, they used they both used to open for Louis and they were on a plane with him, like a you know private plane going to some show. And they were talking about like Louis's old material. And I guess Louis said, he goes, you know, I think hilarious was the worst hour I ever did. And List and Norman are like, what are you nuts? That's a classic. What are you fucking crazy? And Louis's like, oh, okay. Well, maybe uh, live at the comedy store is the worst hour I ever did. And Joe List said, and we both just stared out the window. I I guess they were like, yep, you nailed it. (laughs) That's the one. But here's the thing. It's not that it's bad. Like, you know, by any comedian standards, it's certainly not bad, but you can tell like, oh, this was rushed. Like he would have found more here if he just took his time. And that's why like now, like Louis did three since he came back. Um, sincerely sorry. And then, uh, Louis CK at the Dolby. And now he said, he's taking a break, a big break. He said he was taking a year off of standup. Um, I think he just 
directed or produced uh, Adrian Apolucci's special. Um, so we'll see that in 2024, maybe. But uh, I don't think he's done stand-up in uh, many months. So he's taking a little break. We'll see what he does next. But uh, at the Dolby, I thought was on par. I think Sincerely and Sorry were both better. Um, but this certainly didn't disappoint. So let's hear a little bit of it. Kind of confidence. <laughs> Here's another kind of moral confidence. Moral confidence. That means knowing that you would do the right thing. Knowing that you wouldn't do something wrong. Moral confidence. You can have that in your daily life because a lot of your days are the same. But what if you were in another time? Like, I would love to believe. I feel confident that I would not have had slaves. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have had any. Even if I lived in 17-whatever... In Virginia, and all my neighbors had slaves, I would have been like, you guys are dicks. I can say that, but it's easy to say that now, because you can't get no slaves. You just can't, you can't get any. That's why you don't have slaves. It's not because you're better than back then people. It's because they're not available. That's a huge contributing factor. It's not a decision you need to make every day, like you're carrying your groceries, but oh, fuck, maybe I should, I don't know, I better not, but geez, it would be easier. Because they're not there, it's not like they have slaves at Home Depot, I mean, they kind of do. But, yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's what Louie's been so brilliant at for years, is taking a point, like, everyone's kind of heard the argument, like, about slavery, like, well, those were the times. <laughs> but Louis has an ability of like taking an argument like that and actually making you understand it. It's kind of like his abortion thing where he's like, I'm, you know, I'm pro abortion, but the people that are against abortion aren't evil. They think you're murdering a baby. Right. And his ability to like, to, to break down topics like that, I think is, you know, legendary. It's what, he, it's what he, is uh, best at, and I think he kind of started that trend. You'll see a lot of people do stuff like that now, but uh, I think Louis, uh, among other people, was kind of at the forefront of that uh, sort of humor. So, Louis C.K. at the Dolby, highly recommend. You can still get it on his website. Uh, I think that's the only place you can get it, really. So, uh, check it out if you like Louis C.K. material. Moving on, we've only got three left here. Let's hear, what do we have at number three? John Mulaney, Baby J. This was a big redemption for John Mulaney. He had a tough year last year. He went to rehab. He got a divorce. He knocked up Olivia Munn. <laughs> a, wild, a wild year. A blow to his reputation, which to me is very weird. I don't understand why you stop liking a comic because he got a divorce and had a drug problem. I don't get why that bothers you as someone who just likes to laugh. I think that's, I, part, of, that's part of the job, I think. I found that whole thing very weird, but there's, you know, Mulaney had a certain audience. Like I think Mulaney's got the right mix of genuine comedy fans and like, you know, a genuine diverse crowd in terms of uh, the way people think and age range and ethnic groups and all of that. Um, but he did have, he does have a large base of like young people. 
Um, and you know, young girls in particular that were like, I can't believe this is a man I never knew. And in reality, Mulaney's just a guy that had demons that we didn't really know about. Um, and so baby J was a full hour of him telling us about those demons. And this is another one I was in the room for. I was at symphony hall in Boston when he recorded this and it was cool to see, uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff, but he gets very real about his drug addiction and his, um, intervention and rehab. And so let's hear a little of that from Mulaney. This is baby J on Netflix. I did this one day. I sat down with my counselor. I go through my phone. I went to my main dealer, Arvin, first. And I texted him and I said, Hey, I'm deleting and blocking you. I'm never going to buy drugs from you again. I'm sober now. And then I didn't know how to end the text. So I go, But thank you for <laughs> your many years of inspired professionalism and the many nights that became days. I send the text. Before I can delete and block him, Arvin texts me back. He goes, hey, I'm so proud of you for getting sober. (laughs) Then he writes, you know, I only bought drugs to sell to you because I was worried about you and I didn't want you to get worse stuff off the street. (laughs) I know, and I'm breaking up with this guy. So I I can't delete him now. I text him back. I go, you sweet man. I say, I say, you only bought drugs to sell to me? He says, yeah. I say, did you sell drugs to other people? He says, no. Then I say, Hey, this is a weird time to ask, but are you a drug dealer? He goes, no, I'm a painter. We talked about this. (laughs) Boston, to this day, I have no idea how I know this person. So I text him back and I say, how did it come to be that you sell me drugs? And he wrote back, I don't know. You just kept asking. (laughs) I like that story because there are many tales of drug dealers who have turned innocent people into drug addicts. I might be the first drug addict to turn an innocent man into a drug dealer. It's great because it's uh, like stories, the story, some of the stories that Mulaney tell you would expect from like, Kinnison or something like some yeah. some like wild man from the eighties, and it's this you know whimsical boyish guy wearing a suit with a clean delivery. Like it's very funny to hear his stories, and I think it was very like 
ballsy of him to put that out there and kind of completely change how some people will think of him. Now, I was also a John Mulaney fan, and this doesn't suddenly change my perspective on him at all. And what's funny is, like, over the years, he did talk about, like, drug use and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And I guess people just didn't realize the extent of it. And so it was a, a shock to them when it came out. But like he has some genuinely very funny stories of the world of drugs. Like he also talks about the doctor that was writing him prescriptions, um, which is a story, by the way, he talks about tricking a doctor into giving him drugs in an early special. And yet none of us were like, hey, maybe he has a problem. <laughs> but uh, he talks about uh, this Dr. Michael who would write him prescriptions. He would go to his apartment. <laughs> and then like, he said every time he would write a prescription, he would say, hey, do you want a flu shot? And Melanie goes, oh, he wanted to be a real doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very, it's very funny and it's cool to hear like a guy like Mulaney telling these stories because it's very unexpected. Um, but I thought it was very well done. Kind of one man show-ish in the sense. I, I hate the term one man show. Because, like, people use that for Colin Quinn all the time. Um, they even used it for Ari Shafir's Jew, which was uh, number one on last year's list. Um, so th th those are just stand-up. They just happen to be about a topic. Like, I think of a one-man show as, like, you know, screaming about a, a trauma that you suffered. <laughs> but I guess these fit the one-man show category. So in that world, uh, this was kind of a one-man show by John Mulaney, and I thought it was really well done. Not his best material. I still think either New in Town or Kid Gorgeous are his best special. Um, but this was very different than the uh, type of stuff he usually talks about, obviously. And uh, you know, as far as the year goes, it was uh, right near the top in my book. So moving on, we only have two left. Yep, I think nope. if you know me, you can probably guess who the top two are. You better be able let's to. Find, write in the comments. Write in the comments before you hear it. Take a guess. Right now, yeah, guys, before pause and guess who old Mikey's about to put at number one. Um, because number two is who, Craig? Shane Gillis, Beautiful Dogs. Yeah, this was a tough one. This was tough for me to not put at number one, but I... We, you'll see why I didn't in a minute. Um, I still think Shane Gillis live in Austin is one of the best specials to come out in the last 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, but Beautiful Dogs on Netflix was, uh, you know, his jump into the mainstream, quote unquote. Um, I guess by the standard of uh, live from Austin, it's a notch below, but... Not, not even a whole notch. It's I like live live in Austin a little bit better, um, but Beautiful Dogs was really great, and he hit all the same Shane Gillis stuff that you want from him, and he has people like you know people will message me or I'll see comments and stuff talking about how and in a positive way. It's like people like uh, like Craig probably that are very excited that he's like a right winger, <laughs> but it's like that's not what he is at all. No, like, that's what's. If you listen to him, he says he's not yet. He's early onset Republican. That's what's great about him is he kind of like dupes you into thinking he's like, you know, pigeonholing him into it in a certain uh, stereotype. But let's hear a little uh, from Beautiful Dogs on Netflix. Trump gave what I think was probably one of the greatest speeches of world leaders given. You know, it's got to be up there with like Churchill, Gettysburg Address. It's the night the United States killed the leader of ISIS. Trump comes out of the Situation Room at like midnight in the White House and he walks down that fucking tunnel like he's and gives a press conference like he's giving a post-game NBA and just goes Abu Bakar Al-Baghdadi is dead 
He died like a dog. <laughs> I didn't change one word of that. That's what he opened with. And then he did 40 minutes. The speech is 40 minutes. The meanest shit talk you've ever heard in front of the whole world. Abu. We could hear him crying. I said, Abu, don't cry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Abu cried. He cried quite a bit. I wouldn't have cried. <laughs> cry baby back daddy. That's what we were all calling. <laughs> I've said it a million times, but it's like, that's how Trump should have been handled. Honestly, that's how Trump was handled since 2015. He probably wouldn't have won. We'd look at him as a silly goose, you know? (laughs) Like the idea that no one was able to capture making fun of Trump until Shane Gillis, really. Like he's one of the the best at it uh, and also has a great impression, obviously. Um, But yeah, Beautiful Dogs was uh, just tremendous at that. And kind of, like I said, almost like tricking right wingers into thinking like he's totally with them, Mm -hmm. but also like towing the line of like making people on the left be like, okay, I kind of get what he's saying. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's like Louis CK in that way, but the opposite, like Louis clear Democrat, but like he does the same to people on the left where they're like, Oh, he's one of us. But also the people who are on the, on the right are like, okay, I see where he's coming from actually. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Louis Louis in his three-piece suit endorsing Hillary on late night. I think we know. That was a mistake. Yeah, was, yeah wait, wait till we see Shane doing that in six years. Oh, I'd throw up in my mouth. <laughs> um, but we have another clip from uh, that special. All right, let's hear one more from Beautiful Dogs. That's when I went to the George Washington Museum. There's a museum there. that as soon as you walk into that museum, they start pumping up George. You walk in, they're like, George Washington was a great man. You're like, I just came from his dungeon. But, you know, I'm American. I'll forget about that part of his history. We're not going to let human trafficking define these guys, are we? Huh? <laughs> going through the museum, I'll admit, I still had, I had girl brain towards George from what I'd seen. I was still mad at him. I was going through the museum. I was like, George Washington, fucking asshole. <laughs> George Washington had red hair. The ugly bitch. <laughs> Trying to be cool and liberal and hate him. I couldn't do it, dude. They started pumping up George. Got me going. I was going through the museum. They're like, George Washington was six foot two. I was like... Nice. <laughs> like, never tell a lie. I was like, this guy's unbelievable. Like, he single-handedly defeated the British. At this point, I'm back. <laughs> I'm worse. <laughs> Nobody better touch my statues. I love statues. I'm ready to get on Facebook, defend Rittenhouse, whatever I need to do to help this country get better. <laughs> he, has, he has such an everyman quality, and he's great at making you feel like this isn't all written, even though it clearly is, and it's brilliant but it feels like it's kind of just conversational. Like it's just a guy at a bar talking to you. And I think that's his appeal and why he's started to resonate with so many people. Um, as you know, Shane Gillis called me the first true believer. I called this guy in 2018 for Christ's sake. Um, but uh, you know, who not, not bragging. I'm not taking credit for his success. Just saying I was there first, you know? Um, but yeah, check out beautiful dogs. If you haven't uh, truly one of the the best specials of, uh, of the year, obviously, but we have to talk about my favorite of the year, which anyone that knows me probably guess what it is. And it's one that has been demonetized by YouTube. What is it? Craig leading us off at number one, Joe list. Uh, it is called Enough for Everybody. I haven't seen this That's one. That's right. Enough for Everybody. I thought a great special. Again, 
like so many of these other guys, including Shane that we just talked about, just consistent. Like it's hard for me to pick um, this year's material. Uh, I hate myself or uh, enough for everybody. Joe lists three YouTube specials now. Um, he's kind of been on the one a year track as well the last few years. Um, but this was great. And to me, like there'll probably be arguments in the comments guys sound off in the comments. If you think I'm wrong, but the reason Joe list was over Shane Gillis to me is just because I relate to the guy so much. I don't know if there's anyone in the history of comedy that I relate to, uh, his personality, the way I relate to Joe list in the way he talks, the things he talks about, uh, his delivery, everything. Um, so like, I truly love, uh, listening to Joe list. I thought this special was on par with some of the others. Now, the problem is he says a naughty word in the first 10 minutes. So this doesn't have nearly as many views as his last two specials, unfortunately. Um, but if you guys trust me, make sure you go check out enough for everybody. It's on Joe List's YouTube channel. Uh, let's hear a little clip from that. I got a friend, we went to an art museum with like three paintings in. Pretend this is a painting, right? We walk up to it. He's like this. Wow, that is beautiful. <laughs> Feel that. And he's making this face like, hmm. And I was like, are you joking? Because if you're kidding, that's hilarious. And he was like, what? I was like, you don't touch paintings. And then he goes, why? And that's when I realized I'm only a little bit smarter than him. I was like, I actually don't know why. Um... It is dry. Um, you know what? Fuck, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can touch paintings. I'm an idiot. And I just started touching it. Touch his paintings, by the way. That's a fun term for your friend who's kind of a dum-dum, you know? Like, I grew up in the 90s, and we used the word retarded a lot. And that's no good now. I mean, but touch his paintings. That's kind of a nice replacement, you know? <laughs> like your buddy who's like kind of a dum-dum. You're like, hey, this is Pete. Touch his paintings. He's a fun guy. You're going to like him. <laughs> He's a fun guy. <laughs> touches paintings is a perfect term for that. It really is. Yeah, this guy touches paintings. <laughs> I like yeah, that. I love I love Joe's delivery, and that that's very Boston to me too. There's something about that delivery of like, ah, this guy touches paintings. That feels like old because Joe List is from uh, Whitman, Mass, and that feels like old Boston comic shit talk, kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I love Joe list. I loved enough for everybody. Uh, I think you should check it out. Let me know what you guys think in the comments. And, uh, I would say sound off everyone. Give me your top 10 in the comments because comments gang are incredibly important apparently. And they mean a lot to my livelihood. And that's what YouTube tells me. By the way, also, speaking of YouTube, get yourself a membership, for goodness sake. You can even get other people gifted memberships if you want. Uh, so make sure you do that. Yeah, please, um, please get the memberships because there's no shot this episode's getting monetized. <laughs> you don't think so? Probably, think Netflix th might have a problem with it. They might, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I almost want to do next year just like the top 10 YouTube specials just so we can play all the clips. They'll pump it, actually. It'll be the most viewed thing <laughs> we've ever done. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, you guys see this episode. But, yeah, like, for real, let me know what you think in the comments uh, about my rankings and any that I missed because for sure I've missed some. Like I said, so many specials uh, come out every year now that I definitely miss some. So if you guys have some that I missed, um, maybe we'll talk about them somewhere else on Patreon or whatever. So if you guys like the show, you want to support the show, go to blindmike.net. That's where all of our links are. Become a YouTube or Patreon member, and then you get a early access to the show as well as bonus episodes. So make sure you check that out. Check out the Blind Mike Project every Sunday at 10 a.m. 
And um, who are these socials? Thursdays at 6 over on Carl's YouTube channel. Who are these podcasts? But all the links for all three of those shows are at blindmike.net as well as our Patreon and YouTube. So make sure you check all that out. Support the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for a great year, gang. Um, you know, the numbers have been way up this year, so we appreciate it. Keep telling people about why you're laughing. Also support Craigers, as they call them. Craig wants to be called Craigers, so we'll do that. We'll oblige him. Um, Craigers, where can they find you, old friend? Uh, verygoodshow.org. Uh, you can see the show, Very Good Show, as it says in the title, or Rubbed Out, which is happening more and more. Don't you worry. What an adver- advertisement for a podcast. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. I know it's been a it's been a thing, you know, you're worried about <laughs> it. If you like this but want to hear something uh with this structure about murder, check out Rubbed True Out. True crime. Yeah, go check out Rubbed Out, everybody. And uh check out Hack Ride as well. Hack Ride helps us with uh, all the clips and all that stuff, so subscribe to Hack Ride's YouTube channel and uh everything that he does around social media. And uh we appreciate it. I think based on the way this comes out, we'll talk to you guys next year. So happy 2023, everybody. Zip it up and zip it out. Yeah.